Welcome to the Legendarium. Hey everybody, welcome to the midweek edition of the Legendarium podcast. We have a full cast with us today, Craig, Ken, and Todd in studio. Uh, we just got done and what's talking... your name? You all know my name. <laughs> you know my, as Craig would call them, dulcet tones. I'm Ryan Bruckman. Uh, I was phrasing you was going to go with Baldwin. Ryan Baldwin. <laughs> I, I am the... Uh, the poorest of the Baldwin brothers. Um, anyway, we've and got all some the good Baldwin cousins. We got some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, I'm excited because just... this is like our Daredevil episode, and yeah. so I've just I've got a picture of uh, Deborah Ann Wall taking up half of my screen here. I'm ready to go. This I'm just going to stare at this the whole time. I think I'm Craig gonna... is ready to talk Daredevil and drool a little gonna... bit on his keyboard. I'm going to move over and look at that picture too. Yeah, there she you. looks like she's ready to go to uh, the red carpet, gentlemen. Yes. Can't Attention. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Now we need to focus. Now you know my pain. Uh, oh, I've, I've known your pain for a while. I inflict that pain on purpose quite frequently. So yes, we're going to be talking Daredevil. Marvel has released a the Netflix series Daredevil, and let's just say it's been getting some great reviews from not only us, but those all around us. Uh, those who matter. Right? Yeah. So uh, let's get started with a bit of geek news, though, so we can know. It's been a while since we've had this, so Ken, take it away. Oh, you missed it. With your legendarium geek news, I'm Ken Johnson. Breaking news from the world of the Twitter. Geek There's news. no such thing. Oh, there is now. Welcome to the next generation. Wait, what? <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation. <sighs> you guys, go hate, on, Ken. I hate you all Keep, so much. Uh, <laughs> he's stealing everybody's taglines, isn't That's he? Right, tally ho. Breaking news from the world of the Twitter. Geek Mutiny reporting that no origin story and classic Spidey costume. Uh, well, what? What? I don't know. Say regular words. Spider-Man going to be Peter Parker. Going to be the classic black uh, or uh, blue and red. No Miles Morales. Oh, so go. we're going to we are going to get the Spider Man. We always oh, Spider Man. You always know and love, and he Morales. will be he will be a teenager. High Wait, school is there student. a new movie they, again? No, he's just he's coming. Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. He's coming. Oh, to Civil, he plays a huge role in Civil yeah. War. Okay, all right. So there you go. Marvel Cinematic Universe breaking news right there via the Twitter. As you may have heard, Craig, I know you've heard. A new Star Wars movie, now less than nine months away. I'm going to pull that cord out of that microphone. And I'm going to beat you wait. to death with it. Right now, I'm reading through my tears because Craig's about to hit me in the nose. Actually, because Star Wars Celebration kicks off this week and I won't be there. But if we were going to be there, we would get to see the new episode. What? what? Ryan, what? <laughs> so much for marking things up. Just mark it. I want to talk to you about something about Star Wars Celebration later. Just go like this. This is so. This you guys, worked out so much better in my head. We suck at this. Oh okay, gosh. podcast better. Ready, set, go. But if we were going to be there at Star Wars Celebration, we would get to see the new Episode Seven teaser poster. Details are few, but the poster will supposedly mimic the style of the prequel posters, which honestly was the best part of the prequels. And if eighty-eight magical seconds of teaser trailer hadn't been enough or hadn't been burned into your brain yet, you uh, needed another reason to see the Avengers. Marvel has announced that the first full-length trailer of The Force Awakens will show ahead of Avengers Age of Ultron. So and finally, going. this is one that people won't purchase a ticket to just for just the trailer. Just for the trailer. Right. They will actually stay for the movie. Meanwhile, if you are looking for Episode 7 spoilers, look them up yourself. And if you tell me, I swear I will rain down fire upon your head and feed your mortal soul to the Sarlacc. Do not tell me spoilers. 
Okay, Ken. Rant over. Uh, wow. Take it easy, buddy. There's some therapy in there. In other trailer news, Batman I don't think v I've Superman. I've seen Ken like that. I'm telling you, I don't like do it. not spoil. Batman v Superman doesn't come out for another year, but the superhero duo is already saving one man's life. Warner Brothers has announced that the first trailer for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice will release ahead of this summer's release of Mad Max Fury Road. So people will go see Mad Max. I don't think they'll leave that one either. I uh, Yeah, I'm excited for Mad Max. I'm not so sure about Mad Max. Okay, well, anyway. Hey, in video game news, video game Hotshot EA is hosting uh, is, is hosting playtests for Star Wars Battlefront this week. Sweet. This week. Meanwhile, follow the bouncing ball here because it's going to get crazy, but StarWars7News.com is reporting that EA subsidiary Visceral Games is producing what an anonymous insider says is a rumor that they may or may not be producing. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> You need a map for this one. <laughs> producing what they say. Something. Bottom line is they're producing what could possibly be a third-person shooter prequel game that includes a youngish Han Solo. Oh, cool. That okay. would okay. be exciting. Could be like a Dash Rendar type took situation. A, took a long time to get to that one. Yeah, you know, you've got to follow kids. the sources. The for legal reasons, they sources. couldn't ever let us know that there was anything actually legitimate about that statement. <laughs> Guys, my, my, my bank account at this point is really one big money printing press for Disney. That's okay. Uh, in other news, following in a big... In other non-sequiturs. Right? Uh, following a big April Fool's Day back and forth, Deadpool star Ryan Reynolds and creator Rob Liefeld confirming that the film based on Marvel's most overrated character will in fact be rated R. Reynolds. Ooh, you made some enemies by saying that. <laughs> most oh, overrated oh, character? So overrated. I don't know about most overrated. Come on, Ken. Take okay, it easy, well, buddy. He's in the top five. Reynolds oh, wow. tweeted out that the movie will contain, quote, blood, guns, and F-bombs. He also mentioned something about graphic, expertly lit French unicorn relations. Uh, <laughs> if you really wanted to see uh, Slater from Saved by the Bell oh, get a chair to the face. That was that pretty was, funny. That, that was worth it. That's the one. It looks like X-Men fans may be able to expect some angel in the uh, apocalypse. Rumors are swirling that random blonde British actor who you don't know, his name's actually Ben Hardy, has been cast in the upcoming X-Men Apocalypse and is expected to play winged billionaire playboy Warren Worthington III. If that's true, that means now we have a young beast, a young Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel. Come on, all we need, bring it, Iceman. Let's do this. I want to see the original five all together in a way that they're actually supposed to be together. Apocalypse is also the final with Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, also Until the they final. back a truck of money up to her to say, please, please, please <laughs> Come keep on, doing it. Paint yourself blue. Here's a little bit of blue spending money. This is something for Ryan. Details are few, but for now. Uh, but Big Bang Theory creator Bill Prady is developing a new Muppets TV show. Insert Ryan making Kermit the Frog. Yay! Sounds here because there he is. Disney. Yes. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. Okay, it's that's it, it's now up. time to not be time for that. Yeah, you're no fun anymore. <laughs> Disney has fully contracted so the live action bug, and now word comes that the mouse has started working on a live action version of Winnie the Pooh. Because why not? Live action version of Winnie the Winnie Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. Reports are the movie will focus on a grown up Christopher Robin, the boy who never got le- uh, he never got a date. <laughs> We almost lost our PG-13 rating there, didn't we? And if you follow the Legendarium on the Facebook earlier this week, you saw that Tor.com revealed the cover art for the second book in Best Author in the World, Brandon Sanderson's second Mistborn trilogy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The second book, The Bands of Mourning, is due (laughs) out in January. 
Shortly getting a little after, excited about oh, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon Sanderson cover art. Let's say I'm not Christopher <sighs> Robin. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Thanks to that cover art. Uh, well, there's a fetish we know Ken uh, has now. Let's okay, check that. Okay, so. <laughs> it just got interesting. Focus. Stay on target. Wait a minute. You, you've got more? <laughs> the second book, The Bands of Mourning, is due out in January. Shortly after book one, The Shadows of Self, comes out later this year. I'm already geeking, and Craig and Ryan, it is really all your fault. Oh, yeah. For making me read Mistborn, and yeah. I if you haven't read much. Mistborn, go listen to our series whilst reading Mistborn. Read Mistborn, listen to our series. It is well worth your time. We have a couple of friends who have done that, and man, they and are still thinking One of the best us. fantasy series of our time. And if, you like, time. and if you like the first book, just wait until book three. three. Wait until <laughs> book wait three. Wait until book three. And then get on the Facebook and tell us what you thought about it. That is your legendary Geek News. I am Ken Johnson. You're welcome. Thank you, Ben. Ben. <laughs> You're welcome, Randy. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, quick, uh, quick segue there. All right, let's get right into it. We need to talk Daredevil. Oh gosh, yeah, we do. This come on, has come been on, come on, come on, Daredevil. Not the soundtrack to the movie before. Oh, Although that was how Craig and I discovered that. Evanescence. For, yeah, Evanescence. for an angry 16-year-old, that was a great soundtrack. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you what, Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'll take I a was little into Rob it. Zombie. Okay, but uh, so Marvel and Netflix have done an, a Netflix original production, which if you followed any of their other original stuff, they have really done a great job working inside their studio. But we have the character Daredevil uh, being played by Charlie Cox. And we have a 13-episode arc uh, that introduces the character and lets us get to know Hell's Kitchen as it sits inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe that exists now because it they do, in fact, take a couple brief moments to let you know that this does exist. This and is post-Avengers. This is post-Avengers timeline. They do it beautifully, by the way. Without illusions. bashing over the head Oh, with my it. gosh. I yeah. love it. It is refreshing in a way that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really should have taken a, a lesson. A guy in black beat all you guys up? I mean, if he had a hammer or a sword or a suit of armor something, or something. You know. Yeah, I, I think the one uh, thing like with Agents of Shield is because they have to deal directly with that. Yeah. This is more of an offset thing. They have they're kind of tied. Their hands are tied into being a little more beat over the head about it. Wait, but wait, 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 here it comes. They say a, yeah, uh, but still, <laughs> they say a few things. But one of the nice things is the uh, the reporter's office, Ben Urich. Uh, the back of his office is plastered with clippings from Battle the of Battle New of New York. York, all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, just nice little touches that let you know that it this is in that universe. It could involve other characters from that universe at some point. Probably not, but who knows? Uh, you know, maybe Charlie Cox will join Avengers 3 or something. I don't yeah, know. It's possible. I I doubt it. Yeah, Daredevil has... Uh, he's always he's, stood apart. Yeah, and he's been, every now and then he's no, come in it's... and... He's come in and uh, almost been a men, not even a mentor, but uh, he comes in and questions the hero's motivations and and reasonings in a lot of things. And uh, I, I've always loved him. He's been a, for lack of a better term, he's been a BS meter for the for the for the, uh, the heroes. Like you can say whatever you want about your reasoning, but uh, I got some powers that let me know yeah. that you're you're talking out your backside right now. You know, one of the things I was mentioning this to Ken when we were driving in. Um, Daredevil is kind of the the Batman for the Marvel universe. He's the one that's not afraid to take it to the streets. Um, he's he's also probably the darkest uh, or among the darkest of the ones who we still call heroes. He and Punisher. Um, yeah, you yeah. Know, Punisher's more of an anti hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, you could throw Wolverine into that into that mix as well. But but Wolverine kind of sets stands apart because of his involvement with the with the X Men. 
Um, but but Daredevil is the one that when when you read his when you read his story arcs in the comic series. Um, you get a real feeling for the fact that he is about his city in the same way that Batman is about Gotham. Daredevil is about Hell's Kitchen, and it's just a it's it's a really interesting take. This this series, uh, having just binged it for forty eight hours, I mean, just start to finish thirteen uh, episodes. You watched all thirteen episodes. I watched all thirteen episodes since Friday. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it was. Well, of course, I guess I did Netflix. I did eleven, so I, I, sh- I shouldn't. My, talk. My, my marriage may almost have suffered for it slightly, but we fixed things. So, but at least well, you and Matt Murdock are copacetic. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you, I, me and Foggy, we, we're getting along pretty good, <laughs> so, too. So I, I, I just want to mention my previous experience with Daredevil. Some people will just, you know, scream in frustration, but mine was the Ben Affleck movie. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm not much of a comic guy. I've never read the Daredevil comics. And so all I had to go on was the Ben Affleck version. Now, understanding, I, I know that was not the best movie in the world. It was not terribly well executed. I get that, but it did give me a sense of the possibility of Daredevil, and that alone made him one of my favorite superheroes for the last decade. And and I was so excited. My birthday was this week. It was on the 9th, and I almost couldn't have cared less because I just needed to get through it so that I could get to the 10th when Daredevil was released. I was so excited about it. Because, yeah, it's a great... I think he's a great concept for a character. The whole... You know, you take that old saw, Justice is Blind, and you turn it into a superhero. Sweet. Yeah, that that movie also gave us Evanescence, so thank you, world. You know, I'm pretty happy about that. The 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 movie itself was a the movie itself was was not um was not successful on a lot of levels. Um but it was only I, I think it was because in, in looking at in looking at the film, and again, it wasn't it's about the fact that Ben Affleck successfully killed the Daredevil franchise before it ever got started. The, the reality is, the writing on that film was so bad when it came to addressing Matt Murdock, who Matt Murdock was. That's why it didn't fly. Um, I think Ben Affleck did a, a good job with what he had. Um, it just it just was not well well conceived and well executed from a writing standpoint. Yeah, I largely agree with you. I I still think Ben Affleck was not the same actor 12 years ago that he is now. No, I agree I mean, with that. Ben, I agree with that. He's, he's much better now. I mean, so his acting was it, but he really was given just junk to work with. Okay. Ryan, you so one thing, uh, one thing that I've really been impressed with this daredevil series so far, Netflix promised us dark. They said oh, that they're oh, not going to, oh, this man. was not going to be everything. This is not the Avengers. Yeah. Everything Marvel has done has had, Within reason, a certain level of family friendness, PG thirteen over there, comedic aspect, Some yeah, good humor, yeah. You know, it's it's something that you can sit down with your older kids and feel good about watching. This is not something you're going to want to have sit with your kids and watch. Uh-uh. No, uh, they but... promised us darker, and they've delivered on that. And to their credit, it's because the character sits like that in my mind. Um, as you guys have been watching, uh, there have been a few moments that a lot of us have kind of gone, "Whoa, what, what, what." Uh, but how do you feel in general about the the, the character of Daredevil, uh, about them taking this and doing this as dark as they've done it? Um, I like it. I, I think if they had tried to lighten it up, then you get into that sort of Affleckian territory. You're, or you run the risk. Have yeah. you guys been to Hell's Kitchen? No. Okay, Ryan. Okay, mm, so having, not that I'm aware of having having been to Hell's Kitchen, um, having walked through Hell's Kitchen at night, um, I've been to Hell's Foyer. 
Yeah, different, different movie. Um, I, I've, I've been impressed with what they've done to, um, to make that city because the city is a central character in, in this film or in this, in this series. Um, and it's a central character in everything about Daredevil. And they've done a wonderful job of keeping the grittiness of the, the, the raggedness of what Hell's Kitchen is all about and still making it a place that you say to yourself, Hmm, I think I want to go and see this place that would be so compelling that somebody would want to save it. Um, and, and quite frankly, if you're in that kind of an environment, um, your, your perspective on what is a happy ending is going to change. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's why Daredevil has to be the darker, um, the, the more violent, because that's the environment that he's portrayed as coming from. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting now that you say it that way, it makes me think maybe because of the environment he lives in, he's not about delivering a happy ending. It's about delivering a just ending, right? That's I, I, just, that's about, what he's looking for. Yeah, it, and it's and and justice is justice is rarely um, pretty when we're talking because he's not. Although Charlie Cox is kind of a looker. <laughs> well, and so is the rest of the cast. Oh my gosh! Um, we'll get foggy, to that. Foggy's no, no, that hair. No, and how he's how he is able. Have you guys met Mindy yet? No, they have not met. They have not met. They Mindy. have not met Mindy yet. Um, yeah, that one. I'm still trying to figure that one out. The Foggy Bear and Mindy connection. I'm well, still oh, trying to figure yeah, that just, out. Yeah, let it, let Wait, it go is for Mindy now. the lawyer? The female yeah. lawyer at Lehman? Yeah. Yeah. I just met her. Yeah. Yeah. Keep watching. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> that, yeah. So, uh, I like I said, I, I feel that the character, based on where he's been, what he's doing, it has to be darker. Ken, did you have anything about the darkness I, inside of you? <laughs> it... It relates, and it yearns to breathe free. Wait, that's you get, you get the devil in different. you, Ken. Do you have the devil in you? There's the devil in all the Murdoch boys. <laughs> something can, about punching in there. I can't. Remember. They can all take a punch. That's right. <laughs> okay, so no, we've actually, actually I've, I've been really surprised. We, we have spent uh, and then a little more time than I thought we would uh, referencing Ben Affleck's gifts and abilities in terms sure. of the Daredevil series. Let's talk Charlie Cox and what he's done with Daredevil. Okay. Okay, Charlie Cox loved him since um, since uh, uh, movie what movie Stardust Stardust loved Stardust. That's one of my favorite films ever, uh, probably top thirty. Anyway, um, all right, he, and and he's great. I thought he was great, and I I always thought to myself, you know, where'd that guy go? He he did a great job with that movie Hell's Kitchen. I and I had no idea. I'd watched all the previews uh, for daredevil but i stayed away from too much of the anticipatory writings and so yeah. i had no idea that it was charlie cox yeah. until i started watching it and i i just about started cheering at you know one o'clock in the morning because i stayed up for pacific release pacific time release anyway uh so i when i saw that it was him i immediately had really really high hopes uh, that that I feel like he's delivered on. I'm 11 episodes in. I think he's doing a great, great job. He nailed Murdoch. It's easy to it's easy to put on a mask and to you know to try and become something else or someone else and try and 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 put on those kinds of of changes and look like an action hero, especially if you've got good fight choreography, which this does. If you've got um, good costuming, which this does. 
if you've got an environment that provides those kinds of things, which this does, but you still have to pull off the alter ego. You still have to pull off Matt Murdock. Right. And Charlie Cox does a great job with this. His, um, from a, from a performance standpoint, um, and I think we mentioned on this in, a, in some of our earlier conversations that we had, um, through our, through our texting, um, he, he does, he has little touches. He reaches for things the way that a person who does not have their sight would reach for them. Even though he doesn't have to. Even though he that doesn't was, have to. That was the thing that I, I loved. You know, he, you, you can see the little, I put it in air quotes, the blind things that he does. I mean, when he takes off his glasses and he's looking, you, you can actually see his eyes. He's looking through the person he's talking to. He's not looking at them. Yeah. He, or, he's, or he's looking off to the side uh, like somebody who could not actually see where they are would do or, or when well, he sits down I he think, reaches or... I think a lot of sighted actors have been able to do that when they play blind actors I think what he does that. what he does and taking it one step further is he plays a blind guy he, he's a sighted man playing a blind guy who's not really blind right in you right. know in in a certain sense yeah no. so and he does it and he does it convincingly yep when he when he's playing Matt Murdock you're convinced that he's Matt Murdock. The the very first episode where he asks, uh, what's her name? Catherine? Kate. Kath- Catherine Page. Kate, yeah. Where, where he asks her a question and she nods and he goes. Oh, Karen. And, Karen. Karen. Karen, Karen, Page. Karen, not Catherine. And Foggy, and, and Foggy goes, she nodded. Well, no, even even later where she's staying at his place. Oh, that's you know, right. So that's can right. Protect her and, and he asks her a question and she just nods and he sits there, pauses for a beat. You just nodded, didn't you? <laughs> Oh yeah, I, that's I totally, right. I totally didn't catch that because I take sight for granted. Yeah, well, <laughs> and there's hilarious. and and it's it's interesting. They play that a couple of times and then they stop, which again yeah. I think made sense because one of the things that Matt Murdock was always about was don't treat me like a blind guy, just treat me like a guy, right? right. Um, and you don't want to you don't want to treat your audience like they're a bunch of idiots. No, well, and that was and that's here's something else that I think is really interesting. We could do this is almost 13 hours of material. Um, the the first movie was two and a half, and they tried to do in two and a half what this show has tried to do in thirteen. Yeah, and it works much better in thirteen. Which brings up another thing. By the way, we've lost Ryan. See you, Ryan. Uh, Bye, Ryan. I guess uh, I guess podcasting isn't as fun as it used to be. Anyway, uh, in thirteen hours, what they get to do is explore the Kingpin. Yeah. Which has been just wildly interesting to me. Vincent D'Onofrio. How how many awesome. uh, how many episodes are you in, Ken? Five and a half. Okay, uh, we might spoil a few things for you. Then sorry about that. But um, for me, well, um, anyway, yeah. Ken, well, you may want to go in another room or rain, turn off your headphones. Rain down fire and pit of the sarlacc. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Vincent, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, fantastic character actor, does so much in this show. With nothing more than facial expressions, you know he what? tells a story on his face so convincingly. And I'll tell you the, another thing that I'm really that I've really been impressed with. Um, you see him named in the credit. This is one of those moments where I look at it from a production value. You see him named in the credits and Vincent D'Onofrio, but you don't see him named as his character name until about episode eight. Oh yeah, and no, that's, that's when. Not true. Is it earlier than that? Yeah. But it's not. It's not until after his name has been revealed that they start saying who he is in the in the in the in the in the episode. I didn't catch That's it right. until episode eight. Um, whereas the rest of them, they say their names. They say their names, but 
you know, it's it's not until you get to that episode that they say, and Vincent D'Onofrio as, and they drop the name. And I'm not dropping the name because I'm trying to avoid spoiling too much. You know I think what? We if some, yeah, if somebody's listening to this. If you, don't know the, if you don't know the Kingpin's name, then you have problems. Yeah. Uh, he, just, he does such a good job. I mean, he's, he, he's got the bald head, but he's not, you know, 650 pounds or anything. But he just does such a great job of catching. I I, I at first had a problem with this, but then I... I kind of enjoyed it that they do a really good job of humanizing the kingpin. Okay, so and making this it a little sympathetic. Up, this brings up one of my favorite things about it so far, and it's actually commonly a complaint for me with uh, movies and TV shows. Uh, I think we're on the same or page. plays. Wicked is mm-hmm. I, I've never been a big oh. fan of Wicked because I I've always just thought you know what the, in the Wizard of Oz. You have an antagonist, and that's the Wicked Witch of the West. I don't need her to be humanized because that's taking yeah. away from the original story for me. So Maleficent really ticked you off. Oh, I, we, I never even saw it. I don't need to. We we need anyway, to go back because I will go off for ten minutes. About but both but of them. here's the thing. So you you could run that danger with this. The kingpin is being humanized. You know, we're 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 made to kind of feel sorry for him in in some places, and that could work against the show if daredevil as a character was one-dimensional but what you have is you have two characters both on kind of very similar paths uh both are both are choosing between good and evil what am i going to be it's like the old chinese dame said to to kingpin at one point she said uh you know you you can't be both a savior and an oppressor you have to choose one yep and, and she said if you don't choose your destiny someone else someone will choose, will it, choose for it for you and so you have both of these characters um both given similar choices uh and both of them make different decisions can i just say wait until episode 13 <laughs> yes you because can. there is a really cool moment with that and i just i watched it coming and it was one of those where I, a lot of times i i really hate uh, the telegraphing that goes on a lot of times in in television writing, uh, because they because they write it in such a way that you can kind of see where things are going. This particular one, when it starts, you'll go, "Oh man, this is bad news," and it's <laughs> yeah. just so cool to see it play out. Um, let's talk about some of the other uh, the other actors. Um, Eldon Henson, uh, who we all know and love from the Mighty Ducks. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember him from She's All That. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, that, okay. Ken, you're a weird dude. <laughs> um, uh, he he does you? great. Uh, let's see. Deborah Ann Wall. Um, I was reticent about after the first episode or two just because I thought, oh, well, they wanted to get somebody good looking. And she is yeah. distractingly good looking, like all yeah. of the time. But I think you're more also does a great job. Boy, she's really pulled her weight. And in that in that core trio, and they've done a wonderful job of of making sure that we're aware that there is something in her past. Mm, yeah, yeah. And then there's more that gets added to her story as we go on. And Craig, you know what that is, and I don't think Ken does yet. I don't. Um, so I'm not going to say what it is. That's but, a good call. The but, guy. Oh, but we get we get some really good indications that they're 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 laying the foundations for some long term stuff uh in in this uh in this first series well, the um, guy who plays ben Urich, he's great i oh, can't remember fantastic. what else i've seen him in but i've he's a great actor wonderful actor wonderful actor yeah vondi curtis hall um you would know him obviously from romeo and juliet well, yeah. die hard 2 well, broken uh, arrow <laughs> no just kidding you wouldn't know i've seen all of those 
Anyway, um, what were some of the other? Oh shoot, I lost it. Um, oh, Ayelet Zurer, the um, she is Israeli, and she plays Fisk's girlfriend. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, she is wonderful. Vanessa, and entrancing. Yeah, which is kind of the point of her character. She, it is. She, yeah, they have a couple of great first interactions. Yeah, that just sets sets a good tone, and and sets a good tone for humanizing him again. You know, showing the all these little flaws that really you don't get in the comic book. In the comic book, he's big and he's overbearing, and he's six hundred and fifty pounds, and you don't see any of the little social flaws and idiosyncrasies you know well i guess guess it depends on how much time you spent with the book maybe you do again my my comic book knowledge my comic history knowledge is 25 years old so yeah one of the one of the things that's really that i've really liked um pulling away from from a discussion about the cast for just a moment is that they've they've plumbed the depths of the of the daredevil storyline and they've pulled some they've pulled some pieces from a couple of really pivotal story groups um to work with um, for this for this first run, and it's done a really really good job. Um, it's it's not your typical it's not your typical origin story, um, and they don't and they don't tell it in a typical way. They do a wonderful job of of working through it, um, but they also they also do a wonderful job of setting the stage. I'm really impressed with what they've done, and there's so much material to pull from from the Daredevil universe that they've got a lot that they can work with for for years to come if they choose. Uh, how long did that comic go, or is it still it's going? Still going. Well, they're all ending here. Fourth, fourth volume. It made it up through a fourth volume printing. Um, it was on and off. Daredevil was an on and off monthly character from 1968. I want to say really that early. Up through yeah, he was one of the original, uh, one of the original Marvel characters. Originally, he was in a yellow and red outfit for a period of time. Hmm. Uh, before he went all it was to the awful, all but red. it was colorful. So. Yeah, well, you know, for the for the period of time, again, I mean, the the original X Men outfits were awful too. Yeah, they were. Um, uh, but he's been he's been a uh, a monthly character. He's been a guy who had his own his uh, his own miniseries books. I've got a couple of graphic novels. Uh, one that's a Frank Miller graphic novel that's really pretty uh, pretty tough stuff to to read through if you're not a Frank Miller fan. Um, but a lot of, a lot of really good stories for, you know, 30, 40, 50 yeah. years almost. He's, he's a long timer. Well, anyway, uh, we could talk about Daredevil all day long. We need to talk about the real hero of Daredevil Are and we... that's whoever the heck is staging the fight scenes. Oh yeah. Oh, we probably should talk. About... Okay. I'll give us 60 seconds to talk about that. One yeah. of the coolest things about that is the way that they split in some slots where you can, and if you're watching it from a production value standpoint, if you're watching it from a fun value standpoint, there's a lot of good punching going on and stuff being broken all over the place. But from a production value standpoint, they do a good job of letting the stunt doubles get out and get in without you ever realizing that mm-hmm. they're 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 mm-hmm. all a seamless single shot. I love yeah. the camera work. The hallway fight in episode, episode two. two, yeah, which Ryan, so if he were fun. still here, would say is the best fight scene he's ever seen. In that was me that life. said that actually. Well, yeah. fine, but you are still here. So I am still here. Go ahead and say that. Uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it was Daredevil incredible. yet. It, there, there are places where it's. I would say it gets excessively violent, um, and if you can get past that, it's you know that's something. Yeah. But yeah, episode two, he goes to rescue a kidnapped little boy and uh, and just demolishes uh, a dozen Russians in a hallway and Cleans, and yeah, it's and house. it's in such a way that it's not it's not uh, gently 
kung fu, um, you know, super suave stuff, it's really knockdown, drag out, and yeah. you you believe that this guy could do all that yeah. stuff. It, it's it's interesting that they've approached the fighting from a standpoint that the characters are trying to injure each other. They're not just trading blows necessarily. Mm, right. Um, which that's one of my big complaints that I always have when I'm watching, when I'm watching really violent fights in movies, they turn into boxing matches. They're not boxing matches. They're, they're people trying to injure each other and they right. do a good job of showing this. Well, and this is, it's very different than the fantastical type fighting from like the Avengers or Iron Man or things where, where one punch and that fight's over and we're moving on to this fight. This fight drags on like an actual fight would where you're fighting and that guy's down and then that guy gets back up and you've yeah. got to fight some more and then all right and so it, i i gave us one minute we took two let's let's move on he deserved it um, really cool stuff we will i'm sure we'll return to daredevil at some point uh but let's wrap this up very quickly by asking todd about his experience with something we talked about a couple months ago star wars battle pod uh came out now star wars battle pod if you are uninitiated like the vast majority of america it is a an arcade game something that's getting rarer and rarer these days yes uh which is difficult for me to say rarer uh but even more difficult for those who produced it it's getting Japan. more and more rare uh anyway you guys missed my joke thanks for talking over my joke ken come deserved on. it come on. anyway rammer for the win trying to be racist uh, I just saved you from you. <laughs> there you go. So it, it's uh, Star Wars Battle Pod is an immersive uh, flight simulator. It's a it's a rail. What do you call it? A rail. It's simulator? a rail shooter. A rail shooter uh, that puts you in the in the cockpit of an X wing, a snow speeder, a, a speeder bike, Darth Vader's Tie Fighter, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. you name it. If if it was a if it was an iconic ship in the Star Wars universe, you get to fly it. So, Todd, you've got uh, two minutes. How was it? You know, um, I would give it a fifteen stars out of a possible four. Really? Um, yeah, it was so much fun. I've played a, I've played a lot of video games in my time, as my parents will attest, and so will my bank account. Um, one thing with this. With with this version, it is a sit-down, fully immersive wraparound, 180 degrees on your vision. So there are pieces that come flying out that you have to engage um, from the sides that appear on the sides, and you have to track them uh, using the stick. Using You've, you've got uh, hands-on throttle and stick uh, models so that you can control your speed, you can control your direction. But the, the nice thing about it is the rail shooter keeps moving you forward so that you don't necessarily get killed right off the bat. Uh, which is a complaint that I have on most video games. You have to spend, you know, $100 to get enough to the point where you can actually play it and have fun. This one gets you pretty much all the way through. Um, whether you whether you get to finish the mission or not, or successful or not, is going to be up to you, but it'll get you to the point where you can play the end of the mission. Um, the the one thing, and I I mean, I've I got a video of, a, of me playing it. I'll try and post that up on our, on our website so that we can have people take a look at that if they want. It's about two and a half minutes uh, for at where I went uh, at the Orleans in uh, Las Vegas for about $2 a play. Um, I would suggest if you are, if you're a video gamer, take about 10 bucks. If you're not a video gamer, but you're a Star Wars fan, take about 20. Um, because if you've not played this kind of a shooter before, it takes a while to become accustomed to it and to really feel like you're doing well with it. It's the first, I'll, 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 and my, my biggest praise that I could possibly give for this game. It's the first, um, uh, flight simulator that when I played it, it gave me vertigo. And it forced me to have to hold real still 
to make sure that I wasn't getting myself a little too dizzy and maybe a little bit sick to my stomach. Does oh. the, so I know it's a it's a dish concept. You're sitting down in this seat, and like you said, there's a, a, a 180 a curved, degrees, 180 a, degrees, but top does and it, bottom. Does it also do any any tilting and rotating and vibrating all that stuff? Um, there's a little bit. I'm trying to remember. There, it seemed like there was a little bit of vibration, but most of it is in the screen, so it's not necessarily in the chair. The chair's solid. Um, but you get a lot of, you've, you've got speakers right behind you so that you get the full benefit of soundtrack as well as, um, all of the sound effects that go along with explosions and those kinds of things. Um, but, but just having that much visual information coming at you is just phenomenal for the way that it feels. It feels like a fun simulator. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about one of my favorite times ever getting vertigo? This is really off subject. No, no. But, uh, off subject uh, us, the dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Back in what two thousand eight, I want to say. Yeah, I yeah. uh, I went and saw it in IMAX opening weekend, and it was a true IMAX screen, one of the gigantic things, you know, six seven stories tall. Anyway, uh, I got there late, and so the only seat left. This is before the before the days of assigned seating in theaters. All you <laughs> whippersnappers, um, but I, I got there a little bit late, and so the only thing left was front row. Yeah, and I, I so oh. I'm front and center in IMAX. Well, if you've ever seen an IMAX, they have a rail uh, railing along the front because the screen usually extends down past that. And so they, anyway, they have this railing on there. So I'm leaning back in my seat. I've got my feet kicked up on this railing, and then there's this scene where the camera flies over Hong Kong because he's going to retrieve some right. guy in Hong Kong. And that scene, I, it, it felt like I was standing on top of a freaking skyscraper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all sense of where I was and who I was went away because of how, how immersive that IMAX screen was. The, it, the more visual image that you can, the more visual imagery that you can get, because we are such a visual population, um, if that's done right, that can take care of a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. And it did in this case. It's, I, I highly recommend, you know, take $15, um, yeah. take 20 bucks, play it, have some and fun. And if, uh, if you are interested in playing it, if I understand correctly, it's in all Dave and Busters. Dave and Busters across few, the country. A few other places. Um, I, one of the things that I did when I was, when I knew I was flying into Vegas, I just pulled up and I said, uh, Star Wars Battle Pod Las Vegas. And there are people posting. So, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a city, I know there's, you know, we we uh, we see Dave and Buster's advertised across the nation, but they're not in every state. So, right. if you're looking for a place, GameWorks I know has started pulling some of those in. So, if you've got a GameWorks franchise in your area, they might have it. We do in Salt Lake. We need to start bugging them about it. And I looked online, and they still said that they didn't have one yet. But the the GameWorks down in Vegas supposedly does. So, I, I imagine it's just a matter of time uh, before that'll start showing up. It's a huge game. Uh, it's easily bigger than any, almost any other sit down video game that I've seen that plays only one person. Most of them, when they get that big play two side by side, this one's one person and. Oh, you mean actual surface area? Yeah, surface area as far as the floor. So that's a, that's a consideration to keep in mind. Duly noted. Uh, road trip. Let's go. Oh dude. I'm telling you. I'm in. Okay, cool. Well, let's wrap it up, you guys. Uh, thank you for the midweek episode. I know Ryan would normally be seeing us out, but he is gone. We miss uh, you, so Brockman. We don't. We don't really miss you. I mean, we don't like miss you, miss you. We just well, like. I was just trying to make him feel better. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, you we took a turn. Dude. I know. Let's uh, let's reconvene in a little while. I think the next, if you if you are following along, by the way, the next uh, book that we're reading. 
which I should have mentioned previously, is Ready Player One. So if you are into the Legendarium's kind of book clubby type episodes, uh, which those are my favorites, uh, I think you should be reading along with us. Uh, check out Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Uh, and if you are going to follow along, get the audiobook. Uh, that's my personal recommendation. I mean, if you're just if you don't like audiobooks, that's fine. But uh, Will Wheaton reads Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, and I think he does it very well. So uh, we will be discussing that in a few weeks, and we will see all of you then. <laughs>